Open your Bibles tonight to 2 Kings chapter number 2. 2 Kings chapter number 2. We've been talking about the Lord God of Elijah. And we are now in 2 Kings. Naturally, as you realize, in a series like this, we're not trying to deal with all of the details of Elijah's life or the life of Elijah. We're just trying to hit the highlights, and so we're not going chapter by chapter as we do in our Sunday school lesson. So this brings us to the next notable event here in chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to take time, in fact, I think, to read all of the way down through verse number 14. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets uh, that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee. For the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As thy Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here. For the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood with the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had, when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I want to speak to you tonight about crossroads. 
if I mentioned the, the name Yogi Berra, none of the kids would know who I'm talking about. They'd think I'm talking about Yogi Bear. Yogi Berra was a famous catcher for the Yankees. And he was known for all of his, uh, well, silly sayings, I guess, such as this. If you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm afraid there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in some of the things that he said. And I'm afraid that's what a lot of people do. They come to a fork in the road and they take it. They take, you know, this one or that one. They don't give any real thought to which direction they're going or where it's going to lead or anything else. So tonight when we talk about crossroads, I want you to understand that that this is exactly what's taking place here here in this story that I just read. It's the story of two preachers. One is in the twilight of an eventful, exciting ministry. The other, a young plowboy straight from the farm, who became a servant to the old prophet. And um, you think about Elisha and the work that God had uh, called him to do, and there was no formal training that we know of whatsoever. He learned by following a man who was doing the job. He learned by doing, not just by listening to sermons, but actually doing, participating in the ministry. And um, I, 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 I read this and I'm just overwhelmed to think about how exciting this must have been for both of them, knowing this was to be their last journey together, the last trip they were to take together. And during the course of this journey, they come to four crossroads that are mentioned here. And in each instance, Elisha had to decide what he was going to do. Elijah would say, you tarry here, the Lord has sent me somewhere else. And Elisha would respond by saying, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I'm not staying here. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going, you see. And four times he comes to a crossroad. You know, that's the way it is with all of us. Every person here is confronted daily with decisions. If we make the wrong turn, if we stop at the wrong place, if we listen to the wrong people then we'll miss God's plan for our life. And just like, just like Elisha, we're being put to the test. And I think Elijah knew that well whenever he would uh, over and over again make that statement, well, you stay here and I'm going on. The Lord sent me, you know, to such and such place. And Elisha followed him wherever the Lord sent him. So I want you to think about these four crossroads tonight because I, I, don't, I don't believe it was just happenstance that, that we find the names of these particular spots in the Bible. I believe that God designed it that way for a reason. Notice in the first two verses, I'm not going to read all of the verses again. That's why I wanted to read the entirety of the passage to begin with. But in the first two verses... We see Elijah and Elisha at Gilgal. Now, for those of you that might not know, Gilgal for Israel could be called the place of beginning. It's here that the children of Israel first came whenever they left the wilderness. Now, think about that. They've been in bondage, and now they traveled in the wilderness, 
And now they're entering into the promised land. And had they stayed there at Gilgal, they would have missed everything that God promised. This was a beginning for them, but it was never expected to be the end. They could have said, well, wow, we're here. We're in Gilgal. You know, we've got out of the wilderness. That's as far as we need to go. But there was more ground to conquer. There were more battles to fight. And so they went on. Now, whenever we think about all of the history behind Gilgal, there are three things that really stand out that I think applies to our situation uh, even today as Christian people. The first thing about Gilgal is the fact that it was a place of separation. Perhaps you'll remember that at Gilgal, it was there that God commanded Joshua to circumcise the Israelites. Now, that was to be a sign that they were separated from the world. It was a sign of the covenant that they entered into with God. And uh, they were to be a separate people. And this was a means of identity, as it were. Them willingly entering into a covenant with God. Well, we think about ourselves as Christians and, you know, going in the direction God wants us to go, doing what God wants us to do, following God's plan for our life. It calls from, for, for separation from the things of this world. Because if we're not willing to separate ourselves, we'll never be of any use to the Lord. The very, the very word sanctify has to do with setting ourselves apart to be used of God. So it's a place of separation, but it was a place of satisfaction also because when they got to Gilgal, there they observed the Passover and also enjoyed the, the fruit of the promised land. Can you imagine coming up out of the wilderness, and now here they have not only in the religious sense observed the Passover that, you know, that took their minds back to that moment of deliverance out of Egyptian bondage, but now they're literally literally eating the fruits of the land, the grapes of escrow. Uh, a fellow by the name of Bill Harvey, uh, he, was, he was the music man for... Uh, for uh, John R. Rice and Bill Rice many, many years ago. And uh, he, he wrote a, so a song about that, uh, uh, you know, coming up out of the wilderness and eating the grapes of escrow. And boy, it was, you, you know, just to think about them feasting. And we apply that to our Christian life. You know, and we think about, and in the beginning, you know, we are at spiritually Gilgal. I mean, that's where it all begins for us. We're to separate ourselves from the world. It's a place where we finally, at long last, find satisfaction. But there's also their security and surety in, in the fact that the Lord of hosts, you'll remember, met with Joshua. Now, think about the task that is before them. They're, they're in the promised land, and God said, I'm going to give you all of this land. But, oh yeah, by the way, there are giants in the land. In other words, I'm going to give you the land, I'm going to give you the victory, but you've got to go in and be willing to fight the fight. And there he gave assurance to Joshua that even though you have to engage in battle, I'm going to be with you and I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to give you victory over the enemies. And every child of God, by the way, has that same promise. 
We sang that old song, Victory in Jesus, and nothing could be more scriptural than that. We are more than conquerors in Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Gilgal is a wonderful place. It has a wonderful history. But think about the fact that if, let's say, Elisha decided, you know, I really do like it here. I'm just going to stay here. Just stop right there. He would have never been used of God. The ministry God had planned for him would have never developed. But it says, notice, that they went on. And then notice verse number 3, they come to a place called Bethel. Again, it's a very special place to the Jews. In fact, it was a holy place to the Jews because you remember it was here that Jacob dreamed dreams and then later on that Jeroboam schemed schemes to take control of Israel so you could associate Bethel with dreaming and scheming. Well, you know, we we think about somebody that becomes a new Christian and all of a sudden, you know, they get all excited about serving the Lord and they begin to envision how God might use them. And if they're not careful, they'll become satisfied with all of their lofty ideas, their future plans, their visions of great success. In other words, they're always saying, you know, someday I'll blank. Just fill in the blank. I've seen that over and over and over again. I remember a young fellow that surrendered to preach he, uh, back in Fairgrove, Missouri. And he, he surrendered to preach. And boy, he was nearly every week telling me what God's plan was for his life. And he was going to do this and he was going to do that. I, you know, one week he was going to be a, a, a pastor. The next week he was going to be a missionary. And, 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 but he never did anything. You know, I, I mean, he could have done what I did, gone down to the rescue mission and started preaching down there. You know, he could have gone to the nursing homes. He could have gone to the jails. He, he could have started somewhere, but he never did anything. And some people spend their life like that, always in the planning stage of what they're going to do. So here is a crossroads. They're at Bethel now. Well, we come to verse number 5 and 6. And here we find them at Jericho. And as you know, this is where Joshua led the people to, to, to victory. And you can well imagine that any Jew would be tempted to stop there and just reminisce. I, I mean, this is a historical place. It, it's the first major conquest in the promised land. It was there that God demonstrated the greatness of His power and gave them the the, the victory over it. So any Jew traveling anywhere nearby would want to stop there. Just like some of you like to visit Civil War sites and things like that. You enjoy history and, and uh, so forth. And so Elisha could have said, boy, this is just wonderful. I, I, you know, I've been thinking about all the things that God did here with Joshua and, and, and for our people. And I, uh, it's just so exciting. And he could have just stayed right there. He could have decided he's going to be the resident historian, in fact. You know, I've been studying this subject for years, and I think I'm just going to study here. I'll become a tour guide. Whenever people come through, you know, I'll, I'll show them this and show them and remind them of what God has done. But he would have been stuck there, just living in the past, reminiscing over the things that God has done. 
And a lot of people do exactly the same thing. They forget about the work at hand, and they're so focused on remembering what they call the good old days. You know, there's some like that, I, I suspect, in every church. You know, they think back maybe 20 or 30 years ago, well, boy, the church, I remember those days, you know, whenever we had the cottage prayer meetings, and I remember the times that we had revival meetings, and sometimes we'd even go two weeks. And so, you know, they got all of these memories, but that's all they do is just reminisce about how it used to be and they're not actively involved in any kind of ministry at the present. You know, it, look, it's great for us to be able to look back and to think about what God has done. You know, that's wonderful, but that's not the stopping place there. This is just a crossroads, you see, and we have to decide to go on. And that's why I've said so many times, there's no place for retirement in God's work. Now, that being said, physical disabilities can make it that we have to change what we're doing sometimes. In other words, there's another avenue of service. But as long as God wakes us up in the morning, puts blood in our veins and air in our lungs, as long as we've got life, God has something for us to do. If it's nothing else for us to be prayer warriors, but whatever it is, if we're alive, we ought to think of ourselves as having a ministry because we're not left here by chance. God has a plan for every single person, and we ought to be involved in what Whatever it is, we dare not stop. If we're able, you know, we dare not stop here at a place to where we spend the rest of our life thinking about the good old days like it used to be. Before the message this morning, I got to thinking about the message. And uh, so I, uh, I was thinking about the song, Tears Will Never Stain the Streets of That City and then I, I got to thinking about uh, another song. In fact, I think I think Tim, if I'm not mistaken, somebody sang the song. Uh, it was written by Squire Parsons. I saw a prayer request this week, by the way, for Squire Parsons, who was very ill and uh, I guess uh, critically ill and uh, maybe one of the greatest songwriters of our generation and and that song, If I Leave This World uh, Before You Do, you know, come and look for me at Jesus' feet. And about 15 minutes before I had time to come over here, I had to get the tears out of my eyes. I, I picked up the Kingsman singing that on, uh, on YouTube and just sat there and listened to the words of that song. You know... It's it's great to look back and to think about. It happened to be the year of of 1987, the year that Bev and I came uh, came here, and it's wonderful to be able to look back and think about, boy, what God used to do. But look, God's not through yet. When you come to that crossroads, you can't afford to stop there. You see, they both went on. It says, and Elijah said, "Well, God." told me to go to Jordan. You stay here. And Elijah said, no, I'm not staying here. I'm going wherever you go. So verse 7 and 8, you'll notice that they went to Jordan. In case you didn't know it, Jordan is a place associated with death. 
I mean, the, the crossing of it ended their wilderness wandering. That was the death or the end of it. The pilgrimage had ended here. And when they crossed over, there was a, it made a clean break from their past. One side of Jordan was the past. On the other side was the future. And I think it's interesting to me at least to think about the fact that it was there that John the Baptist baptized those that made a clean break from the world and professed Christ as their Savior and then Christ Himself personally, you know, and uh, the ministry that, that He started. So here where multitudes were buried in baptism. And now, Elisha is standing here at the Jordan and he has to make a choice. No one is forcing him to cross over and enter into the ministry. You know, he could have remained on this side, but instead of that, just pursuing his personal pleasure, instead of that, he was willing to cross over and in doing so, die to self and live for God. That's a decision to make in their life because we're all confronted with the challenge of Christ. Over in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, nobody, he doesn't force anyone. If you want to waste your life, have at it. God's not going to force you to take the right road to do the right thing. But if any man will come after me, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's just one of many verses our Lord spoke in regards to what we call discipleship. But it's making that decision that we're going to die to self. We're going to, we're going to live for God. And you need to ask yourself, have I honestly done that? Am I doing that? And if we're going to fulfill God's plan for our life, we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. You know, the cross is not an ornament that we wear. It's not even an object of worship. It is an object of death. When you think about the cross, it's you and I dying. And notice in verse number 11, it says here, they still went on. Again, I'm amazed. They still went on. Neither man stopped. You know, Elijah could have said, you know, I'm getting old and my ministry is about over. He could have stopped somewhere along the way. But he would have missed the chariot ride up into heaven, evidently. He didn't stop and Elisha didn't stop. He followed the leader until the very end. And it was only after doing that that he entered into the ministry that God prepared for him. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the first assignment that he received. But keep in mind that he entered into that ministry as a result of, of following God's plan, taking the right road instead of stopping at one of the crossroads or taking the wrong road, you see. And so every one of us needs to try to make this message personal. Where are we? It might be tonight, there are some of you that are spiritually at Gilgal. You're at the place of beginning. In other words, you're saying, uh, you know, I might be. It's the beginning. I might be. I might do this. I might do that. God might do this for me or whatever. But it's the beginning. 
Others are at Bethel. This is the place of dreams, saying, well, I'm going to be. You know, I, I've got plans, you know. I'm, I'm already charted my course. I know what I'm going, going to be. And you're at Bethel. Well, that's a good place to be if you don't stay there. Some of you might be at Jericho. This is the place of reminiscing. It's to say, I used to be. I used to be. There are a lot of folks just like that in churches. I used to be. I used to do this. I used to do that. So they're stuck right there. And then there are those at Jordan, that place of death. And those are the ones that are saying, I will be. This is the place where you die to yourself and you live for God. When we think about the demands of discipleship, and how extreme they seem to our natural mind. There's something about it sometimes that, well, just maybe really doesn't seem fair. That we have to put all of our plans on hold and rearrange our life and we have to change everything in order to, in order to do God's will. And, and by the way, he makes no mistake about it. Over and over again, He reminds us that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Him. We have to put Him before father and mother and, you know, sister and brother or anything else. Those are demands. And He's able to make those demands because He is deserving. He's deserving of you and I surrendering our all to Him. None of those demands are unreasonable. He has every right to do that. Think about where you would be without Him. Remember, Paul said, you're not your own, you're bought with a price, and therefore glorify God, you know, in your body. With your whole being, glorify God. And so the question tonight, and I'm through with this, but the question is, where are you? Are you still moving on? Making progress? Are you stuck at one of those crossroads scratching your head wondering, you know, should I go on beyond here? I kind of, you know, I sort of like it here at Bethel and so I think I'll just stay here. So are you stuck in your Christian life at one of those places? And that's why again and again and again, I say to me, the best definition of backsliding I know of is when we cease to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're 8 or whether you're 80, you ought to be growing spiritually. That's God's plan for every one of us, that we continue making progress. Because look, it might be a fact that you that you excel far above everybody else in the congregation. I mean, boy, you are a spiritual giant among everybody else. But let me tell you, you're nothing but a pygmy compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us even start to measure up to what He is. And He is the ideal. He is the goal. And and we are to conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always too soon to quit, folks. Don't stop at any crossroads. And before you proceed, you want to, and you better understand what the will of God is. Because whenever you take the wrong road, it makes no difference how sincere you are. You end up in the wrong place. One morning I was going fishing up at Stephenville with a preacher friend of mine. And so I got up, oh my, I must have left here at 
2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because I wanted to be up there and I wanted to be on the water fishing when the sun came up. That was my favorite time of the day, watching that sun come up and fishing for bass, topwater and so forth. And so there's a certain crossroad. I don't know the names of the highway, but the highway runs into the highway that goes up to Stephenville. And well, I went left, I believe it was, instead of right. And I went a good at least 30 minutes in the wrong direction. I thought I was going in the right direction. It was the right highway number. But I was going south instead of north. Finally, I realized what I had done and turned around and had to drive all of that distance back. Well, as you might figure out, I didn't make it up there to watch the sun come up. I missed that early morning fishing. Well, that's not a big deal. But let me tell you, it is a big deal when you take the wrong road in life. You come to a crossroads. You have a decision to make. And you either just stop there and don't move on, or you refuse to inquire of the Lord what direction to take. And you use the philosophy of Yogi Berra, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. So you flip a coin or... Whatever it is, and you go this way or you go that way, and God wanted you to go straight ahead. Just keep on trucking. Keep on making progress to the next destination, you see. Uh, Isn't it exciting to think that God has a plan for every one of us? I'm talking about every man, woman, boy, and girl here in this building tonight. God has a special plan for each and every one of us. And I I can't think of anything more exciting in life than to know that you are on the same page with God. All All of those other prophets, you know, in the cities as they would go to the different places, you know, they evidently trying to discourage Elijah. And they said, don't you know your master is going to be taken away today? It's kind of like, hey, dude, you might as well quit following him. It's going to be a waste of time. And he, he didn't let any of them discourage him whatsoever. He just kept on going. And I, can you just imagine the, the experience of being there? A chariot of fire and horses of fire swooped down. And here is this old prophet that you've been following and the prophet you've been serving. And up he goes in that prophet of fire out of sight into the heavens. He would have missed that had he stopped anywhere along the way. And let me tell you, folks. You'll never know what wonderful things you will miss in life if you stop at the crossroads and refuse to go on. Nothing in the world is more exciting than whatever it is that God has for you. You know, if God's called a person to preach, that's where your heart is and that's what excites you. Look, you, whatever you do, you ought to be that excited about whatever it is. If it's the music ministry or whatever, you know, get excited about it because what you're doing is important. Amen. And uh, it just, you know, it takes all of us working together in order to get the job done. And we don't have any members that are unimportant. You know, sometimes some folks not doing anything, but there's none of them that has nothing to do. We can all be just as involved, you know, as as we want to be. 
if we're willing to follow the Lord. So, again, I leave you with the question, where are you tonight? At Gilgal? I might be. At Bethel? I'm going to be. At Jericho? I used to be. Or maybe you've reached the Jordan where it says, you know, I will be. I will be. Whatever God wants me to do, wherever He wants me to go, I'm here, I'm willing, I'm ready. I will be and die to yourself and live to God. Let's all stand and bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for, for in Your great wisdom and Your deep concern that You're willing to use each and every one of us tonight And Lord, we know that it's not our place to decide how we're going to be used, but it's our place to simply to discover Your will and to do it. And I pray that You might instill within our hearts uh, what success is all about, especially help every young person to understand that, what a successful life really is. It's not becoming famous, and it's not making a lot of money. It's not even being satisfied with what you're doing in life. It's just knowing that you're on the right path, that you have discovered the will of God. You're doing the will of God. Lord, help us to not hold back. Help us to not stop. And if there's someone here tonight that stops somewhere along the way, help them to get up and to get going and to get back in the fight and to do those things that you would have them to do, that whenever we come to that final day and stand before you, that we can hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that will be a reward enough. Thank you, Lord, for using us and giving us uh, what we don't deserve. And I pray tonight that you will bless, that you will tug at the heartstrings of each and every one of us and help us to continue growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.